into the party wagon and hold on to your pizza. In this issue, we're going to talk about the IDW series issue number six. Enter a dark blue sky in an alleyway where two ninjas rappel down ropes. They reach the bottom and one pulls out twin size. The other has dual swords on his back. The side ninja points and urges on onward and they run. From the building next door, the turtles run down and watch them. The turtles wonder about what they could be up to. Well, dressed like that and armed to the teeth, it doesn't take a genius to deduce it's nothing good. Leo snaps back with, Nah, it just takes a genius to constantly remind everyone that he's a genius. Raph and Mikey look on for a possible fight. It's about to start and they go, Here we go. Donatello says, What'd you say, Leo? Leo says, Nothing genius. Come on, guys. Donatello is not yet ready to let the comment go. He says, And that's not true. I don't always remind everyone that I'm the smartest. Leo reminds me of his, of his previous comment, but Raph tells him to stay on task. Yo, brains and brawn, less yapping, more chasing. They both reluctantly agree, but you could tell that the matter isn't yet settled. Donatello mentions that the two men are extremely fast. Raph says, These dudes take their ninja vitamins today or what? They're like freaking jackrabbits. Mikey says, Yeah, I thought that these guys, a tortoise always beats the rabbit in the story. Leo cannot miss the opportunity to chastise Mikey when it comes to this. Well, the turtles in the story didn't spend all his free time gorging on pizza and playing video games. Like Master Splinter always says, training is... Mikey interrupts, I know, I know, bro. Training is everything. They notice the two ninjas seem to be chasing something or someone, and it follows them into an alley. Then finally they see what the ninjas were chasing. Rather, who? A man in an athletic outfit with a headband and a high collar covering covering his face. He moves quickly up to the fire escape and onto the roof into the alley. The two ninjas follow closely just a step behind him. Leo mentions that he thinks the man is using parkour. Donnie explains to Raph, Parkour is French basically movements that focus on navigating across obstacles with speed and efficiency. Exactly, says Leonardo. Great, so you two finally agree on something, but uh, what's with this par park uh, French gymnast guy doing running away from the mystery ninjas? Leo and Donnie are, are once again in agreement, and Raph comments to Mikey, Gripes, who'd have thought a nerd ninja and a Captain Buttkiss would be even more annoying when they're not arguing? Mikey agrees. The ninjas finally corner the man on the roof at the end of the street. The turtles have gotten ahead of the man but sil and silently look on to see what happens. The two ninjas close in on the man, who responds in French, Allez-y! And he draws his blade to face them. Raph says to Leo that he's not a fan of the two-on-one odds, while Leo warns him that this is not their fight and they need to observe first. Before Raph can persist, the man springs into action. He dives backwards with a twisting flip in to avoid a sword swipe from the first ninja. Then, he perches on top of an AC unit, springs backwards over the two assailants. This then ends up behind the ninja that had attacked him, stabbing him between the ribcage with his knife. Damn! Mikey was impressed. Recovering from the attack, the ninja throws back an elbow, hitting him just under his jaw. He drops his knife and loses balance. The second ninja rushes headlong at him, knocking the Frenchman down. Next, we see a twisted expression of pain and a YARK! The sign ninja stabs him in the back and says, DIE! The man makes a gurgling sound and collapses to the ground. This is more than Raphael can take. He yells out, OH HELL NO! As Leonardo tries to stop him, but Raph is now on the roof, chasing the ninjas. One of them holds a small glowing orb over his head. And as Raph gets within range, he throws it to the ground. 
It explodes with a thump, and it produces a flash of light in a cloud of smoke. Whoa, ninja grenade, says Mikey. Leo and Donnie check out the man and find out that he's still alive and trying to talk. Leo tries to tell the man to hold on and that they'll get him some help. The man responds in French. La, la unf guerre est, est en route. Those were his dying words. They wonder what the man said, and Donnie says, Well, my French isn't nearly as good as my HTML, but I'm pretty sure he said war is coming. The scene changes to the office of Baxter Stockman at StockGen. Baxter asked Hob if he's familiar with baseball. He tells Hob that he, like in baseball, gets three strikes. He asked what Hob would need to avoid the third strike, since, since Hob has messed up both attempts so far. And what precisely do you require to avoid the proverbial third strike, hmm? The way them freaks fight, I need an army. A badass friggin' army! Baxter finds his choice of words interesting. New setting. Casey looks down at the paper notice that April put up in the student dorms. He's interested in teaching self-defense in return for tutoring. As Casey looks down at the number to call, his father walks in the room to grab a beer. He tells him that he's dumb and he can't even keep himself on the hockey team. Casey goes to his own room to make the call in private. Back in the sewers where the turtles tell their master about the rooftop battle where the French man died. They tell Master Splinter, master Splinter the man um, spoke French and used parkour in an unfamiliar fighting style. Raphael adds it wasn't even right how they let him face the two ninjas alone. Splinter tells Raphael, Based on your descriptions... Those two wimps, as you call them, appear to be foot ninja, just as I described to you before. If so, offering a fair fight was never part of their creed, my son. Raph still disagrees, then Splinter tells him that they were right to stay neutral, especially since they do not know their real enemy. Donatello figures out the man was fighting using Savate. Say what? Mikey says, obviously never heard this before. No, Mikey, Savate, the fighting style the French guy was using, is Savate. It's a French martial arts system that's been around since at least the early 19th century. Mikey replies as he is listening to Donnie and playing a video game with French dude rocking French food. Makes sense. Leo puts the pieces together. French martial arts, the foot, old hob, the four of us. Why would this be happening now, father? After all this time. Then we are fated to confront our foes from our previous lives once again. Donatello has a hard time believing Master's claims. He thinks that it's just a bit too DXX Machina. Splinter reminds him that even so, they are still here. Splinter goes into a flashback of the first memories from his lab at Stockgen. The last thing I could remember was a shadowy image of a sword blade slashing through my neck, and suddenly I found myself pierced by an entirely new type of sword. Splinter tells the story as we see a scientist, possibly Chet, injecting Splinter with a strange a syringe of strange liquid. This is the sword he was referring to. A sword that did not slay me, but freed me instead. He goes on to say that as they went on with more injections, the psychotropic serum unlocked more and more distant memories. He discovered the tank of turtles he knew that his prayers had been answered. He knew that this was to be, they were finally reunited with his sons. Splinter also realized at this point that Baxter was working towards some evil end. He recalls this very familiar plan of domination that he witnessed the foot in feudal Japan. 
Splinter tells the rest of them when he met April. Eventually, there was one who came to work at the laboratory who possessed an aura of goodness, and I did my best to warn her of the dangers I believe surrounded us all. Flashback to Splinter, handing the disc to April in issue number two, followed by the ninjas that attacked. Splinter continues, Dangers that were further confirmed when the Foot Ninja, our mortal enemy from the distant past, infiltrated the laboratory, which brought us to where we are today, a family reunited though through both scientific wonders and cosmic mysteries, different and yet the same. Donatello questions why they were brought back in these forms instead of as humans. Splinter tells his son that he is not sure, but it's the spirit that matters most. The scene changes once again, this time to the dorms of NYC Tech Hall H. Casey checks the address and knocks on the door. April's roommate answers, and Casey tells her that he is the guy who called earlier about the job. He stands there wide-eyed and stunned as April comes out the door to introduce herself. All he can say is, Whoa! Very quietly. Back to Stockgen Laboratories, and Baxter leads Hob to a room with a large vault. Baxter tells Hob that if he requires an army, he has just the thing. Hob looks on in surprise. Baxter tells him that these were developed to locate and destroy IEDs on the battlefield. Hop doesn't know what they are, but Baxter dumps it down a bit to call them a booby trap that goes boom. They enter the vault, and Baxter tells Hob that they will require a bit of manual calibration. Hob goes in for a closer look as Baxter slams the vault door shut behind him. A double cross. Perhaps a demonstration. Now, Mr. Hob, I'll show you just how much I can push things, you impudent fool. And with that, he activates the, monster, the mousers. Hob jumps to a uh, higher vantage point, narrowly avoiding the chopping jaws of the monsters. Hob asks, What are you doing, Stockman? Baxter calls, calls this quality insurance testing, but really he is just sending Hob a message that he is not to be messed with. Hob does his best to stay away, even using the office chair to keep the mousers at a distance. Hob, now concerned, begs to Baxter, Call them off, these crazy things! Baxter calls them back and... St stands over his quivering mutant cat. He calls he calls them Minefield Ordnance Unarming System Enhanced Robots, or just Mousers for short. We fade out on Baxter, holding the remote control to the Mousers, as the robots look upon the terrified Hob with their glowing red eyes. This ends issue number six. The next story is the IDW, in the IDW chronological order, is the micro-series number three issue about Donatello. Story by Brian Lynch, with script by Brian Lynch and Tom Waltz, art by Valerio Shinti. The story opens with a scene of the four turtles beating on some men in the park. Raphael does an aerial kick, knocking out one of the men to the ground, while Michelangelo goes low, ready to trip him with his nunchaku. Leonardo backfists a man who came at him with a knife, and Donatello topples a man holding a crowbar with a fluid movement of his staff. Donatello tells us, in the heat of battle, my brothers and I are a sight to behold. Four different styles using, uniting as one against a common foe. We're just well-oiled machine. Off-duty, though, we're like oil and water. The first panel shows Donnie telling Mikey how he really needs to get online, but Mikey is watching videos on YouTube. Next scene is Raphael lifting old computers as uh, barbell weights. Donatello asks if he can have them back, and Raph says... Uh, not until he's done. Donnie narrates, I love computers. Using them, fixing them, building them. My brothers, though, not so much. Sometimes I just want to get away. 
but it's not like I can go for a leisurely stroll outside whenever I want, so I find other ways to escape. The next panel shows Donatello excited to show Leonardo something. This one's called Strange Genesis. It's an MMORPG. I can download the core rulebook for you, he tells Leo. But Leo is more interested in combat than games, despite the, but he, despite the effort. Leo tries to be interested. He really does, but it's just not his thing. He tells us that he goes online late at night when his brothers are sleeping, but not to talk, but to talk in forums as well as to meet new people. His screen name is Does underscore machines underscore 84 does machines 84 no doubt a play on the cartoon theme song for 1984 the year that they first appeared he even has a uh, rival named kirby underscore fan 01 donnie gets an invite for the new world expo a sort of science fair for the tech and nerd community he says that he wishes he can check it out but he remembers with a smirk after all he is a ninja and ninjas can blend in art of invisibility and all of course, Kirby underscore Fan01 takes the opportunity to troll him about that and tell him and tell him that he shouldn't go. It seems enough motivation to get Donatello to the expo. The next day, we hear that Donnie was so excited he could barely sleep. He also admits to drinking six energy drinks, and so that didn't help any. At the expo, Donatello is walking in his disguise, a fedora hat with dark glasses and a trench coat. There seems to be all kinds of scientific wonders all around him. Robots in the background, behind him, there are several small bots wandering the show floor. A rather serious-looking woman observes as a man demonstrates with a laser pistol, while one on the other side of the room shows two people some sort of high-tech rifle. Donnie thinks to himself, The best and brightest the world has to offer, all in one place. Man, this is a place that we're... If this place were sucked into a wormhole, there wouldn't be any new inventions for a decade. Also, the wormhole would probably be caused by someone in this room. He knows that he is among his own kind and wishes that he could just let his guard down. Just this once. But he's afraid that they would more likely want to study him rather than treat him as a colleague. Donatello cracks a smile regardless. He's just happy to be among his peers, even for a short time. The fierce-looking woman turns out to be a judge for the expo. She moves to another booth and addresses the scientist behind the table. He's a gray-haired man with a short beard and a long hair and ponytail glasses and has a blue tie-dyed shirt under his white lab coat. He tells her his name is Harold Lija, and she may just want to stand back for the demonstration. The man put, puts on a large mechanical gauntlet and powers it up with a clack-clack. The man poses next to her and looks at a hot dog cart, and Donnie thinks that there's something odd and arrogant about this man. Even though he's been told to respect his elders, he thinks that this man is odd. Although, Donnie is shocked when the man lifts the cart off the floor, his gauntlet now crackling with energy as he lifts up the hot dog cart, much to the surprise of the hot dog vendor. Donatello is impressed. Just as soon as the demonstration is over, the hot dog cart comes crashing back down with a... <laughs> the woman makes a secret call to her superior on the other side of the headset. She tells them that she'll notify security right away. Harold, now lost in thought, says that he may need to recalibrate this device if, to have a more gentle landing. The woman tells Harold, Property damage is grounds for immediate disqualification. Who's next? Harold is naturally confused by this and asks everyone where he's going. Then he grumbles to himself the same old treatment and he says that he has another trick or two up his sleeve. Donatello looks on over his shoulders as he makes an adjustment to a holographic display on his wrist. This briefly phases into an intangible state, 
and suddenly he re rematerializes amidst the more crackling energy dots. You know, those Kirby dots, folks, made famous by Jack the King Kirby, the legendary comic artist himself. Those kind of dots. No one seems to even notice Harold's trick. No one except Donatello, who is awestruck. His jaw drops when he sees this. Donnie tells us, He's a genius! Not to mention he's nuts! A little nuts! I dig him! Harold has enough and decides to pick up his invention and head home. Donatello looks on as the man with the dark sunglasses, earpieces, and black suits set up, step up to Harold's booth, and they have a word with the eccentric scientist. They escort Harold off the floor to a special meeting, but refuse to answer him for whomever and who they are going to see. The men are clearly dragging him away against his will. Donnie decides he needs to interfere. He stashes his disguise and says, Okay, this is weird, but those are the some tough-looking nerds. Of course, I'm not exactly your typical geek, either. He says, retrieving his bow staff from a potted tree. And he says out loud, To me, my staff! He, narrate, he narrates, Side note, someday I'm going to rig it so it flies right into my hand when I command it to. Donnie tries on his purple mask, and the men shove Harold into an elevator. Now, while it could be nothing, Donatello decides to check it out, despite how he knows that Leo would describe him as reckless. But Donatello classifies it as scientific research, and he heads up the stairwell, chasing after the men in the elevator. Donnie tracks him to the 15th floor. By listening for Harold's loud protests, he peers into the conference room where Harold is complaining about how he's been treated by the three men in glasses and black suits, and he tells them, if this is about the food court I broke downstairs, come on! You want scientific progress? Sometimes that means a few bumps and bruises. A voice from off-screen tells him, I couldn't agree more. Harold is dumbfounded and suddenly shocked by the appearance of the owner of Stockgen, Mr. Baxter Stockman himself. He continues to say, You're absolutely right, Mr. Lyja. The path to any worthwhile technical discovery is so often rife with dangers. But to those willing to confront and out overcome those risks, come to the greatest rewards. Just look at me, and the Wright brothers, or Einstein. All the while, we see the silhouette of Donatello in the back by the glass, listening to the men as they have this conversation. And Baxter talks to Harold. Donatello knows it's set up when he sees one. He tells us Baxter used him and his family as, as lab experiments, and that this is too small of a world for this to be a coincidence. Baxter is telling Harold that he knows all his history and how his old partner stole credit for his work. He's trying to butter him up, as it were. Harold is both wanting to get away at this point, but he's also a little saddened to see how Baxter has summarized his life work so succinctly. He goes on to tell Harold that the main research, the main reason that he sponsored this expo was to draw him out of hiding and back into the spotlight. He offers Harold an opportunity to contribute to continue his research, no question asked, and fully funded. Donnie thinks to himself he's not liking how this sounds, almost too good to be true. Harold, like the scientist he is, questions Baxter. Doesn't Stockgen bioengineer, you know, meat? Not my field. Baxter responds that they're looking for top-notch technical talent. Then Baxter drops what his true agenda is and asks Harold to find a turtle. Donatello's heart skips a beat as he realizes the troubles he's in. Baxter explains that he wants Harold to use his inventions to track a giant mutant turtle in the city, and he hands him a mechanical tracking device that is specifically attuned to, Donna, to Donnie's mutant turtle DNA. 
Donatello rethinks his scientific investigation and thinks that it has just turned into reckless battle strategy. He will apologize to Leo later, but right now, that tracker was activated and it starts going off and making crazy noises. It's picking up Donnie just outside the room. The device sends a laser tracer straight at Donatello and the three men in suits point guns at him. Harold looks just a bit confused as Baxter comments, Mr. Elijah, you've significantly raised the bar for any future hires. Donatello tries to appeal to Harold while he is still at gunpoint. He tells us that there's better ways to make a comeback. Baxter remarks, I want his blood. Have fun extracting it. Donnie springs into action, disarming one of the men by spinning his staff and then uh, hitting the other one in the gut with the backside of his, of his staff and then one in the back of the head with the backswing. The other, the other man protects Baxter in the distance while Donatello tries to appeal to Harold. I mean, they tricked you into coming here. They forced you to come here in their creepy lab, and everyone is armed. Doesn't that seem off to you? Harold says that he may be right, even if he is a bit abstruse. There's a moment between them as Donatello comments that that's not even a real world. Word. They both look at each other and recognize each other from the online forums. Kirby underscore fan 01? Does underscore man machines underscore 84? Donatello looks surprised, but Harold looks upset. He's now studying across, standing across from his internet arch enemy. It appears that there are a few hard, hard feelings, but Donatello tries to smooth things over between them and to get Harold to come to his senses. Harold seems to, seems to pout and turns his back on Donnie. The security guard tells Baxter he's safe th at this distance, but Baxter is more interested in not letting Donatello get away. Forget me, you fool! That reptile is going to slink away if we don't stop him! Call backup! Harold responds with a crazy look in his eyes, and he holds out three small spears between his fingers. You've already got backup! He throws the grenades at the floor, causing an explosion. Donatello, while impressed by the pocket grenades, believes that Harold is taking the job, and he pull vault kicks Harold, causing him to drop the remaining grenades. You can run, but you can't hide! As Harold points out the laser tracker at Donatello, looks like someone forgot... the about this brilliant little well, swiftly striking the track the tracker it shatters in Harold's hands as Donatello hits it full on with the end of his bow staff Donatello asks if they can just start over it seems they got off on the wrong foot before start over yes uh... and he continues to say round 2 putting on his gauntlet he flings an office chair through the air at Donatello Donnie throws him Donnie thinks to himself this is cool. I'm scared out of my gourd, but I gotta admit this is awesome. Harold will not be doubted again as he explains to Donnie. The remaining security guards usher Baxter out of the room and ex explains back backup is on the way. Donatello bursts out of the glass door into the hallway, followed now by the intangible Harold who walked through the wall to pursue him. Donnie doesn't want to fight him. Even though he's a jerk, he's a troubled, bittered man, but he isn't evil. Donatello again tries to appeal to Harold by telling him, he tells him that he's great, but if he makes a fatal mis misstep by telling him that, that if he works with Stockman, he's stupid. Uh-oh. Donnie realizes that he took a wrong turn in the conversation. Harold blasts Donnie with the gravity wave and sends him flying to the ground. Donnie notes that Harold has an eggshell ego and to take a softer approach with him next time. Donnie gets up and cheers on Harold who seems... and checks on Harold who seems winded. You okay, Harold? Don't worry about me. <laughs> I'm the one winning, Harold responds. It's a gauntlet, isn't it? Your power source. 
You're the power source. You're losing energy every time that you use it. That's what happened during your demonstration downstairs, huh? You gassed out. Harold responds, Wow, the talking turtle likes, likes machines. Donatello could not miss the opportunity to make a pun and responds, Well, I does do them. With a smile on his face and he thinks, and he says this, Donatello tells Harold, If I were you, I'd design an exterior battery for the gauntlet. Charge it before I used it, maybe via USB into a power vac or a laptop or something like that? Harold looks at Donnie for a moment and says, That's not a bad idea, but I work alone. Donnie tells him that he gets it before his partner... Donnie tells him he gets it before his partner stole his work, and he asks him if he really thinks of throwing in with Baxter Stockman is a good idea. He tells him he will use him and throw him away. Are you going to be a creative genius you were born to be, or just another goon working for a rich guy who plays dirty? The elevator doors open, and some armed guards head out towards Donatello and Harold. Harold stares at the guards. We see there are five men in his glasses. He tells Donatello that he is much smarter in person than he is online, and that he starts attacking the guards with his pocket grenades. Donnie whacks one of the guards in the face with his bow staff, and welcomes Harold back from the land of the dark side. Donnie hits a guard with a high knee strike and Harold turns the intangible once again. Now surrounded by the crackles of energy, he picks up a keyboard from a computer and says, If Baxter wants your blood, let him get it himself. And he jams the board into the back of one of the guards' necks. Donnie, who is blocking a knife strike, is glad to have Harold's help as the guard drops the knife. One of the, one of the guards isn't taking any chances and opens fire. We see Donatello narrowly avoiding bullets that pass through Harold's white lab coat as he dodges backwards too. They hide behind an overturned desk. Donnie looks for Harold to make sure that he's okay. Harold! Harold! A small circle of energy opens and from that pops up Harold. Donnie is both surprised and ecstatic. Right here, I think that battery idea you had would work great on my light refraction machine too. Man, I'm beat! Harold tells him. Donnie is relieved that Harold is alright and has an idea for yet another reckless, reckless strategy that he just might want to try. Harold, let me borrow your anti-grav gauntlet just for a sec. He puts it on and, and becomes surrounded with a crackling blue energy. Let's see how this thing runs on turtle power. As Harold protests, Donnie grabs a hold of the scientist and tells him to Quiet, Kirby fan underscore oh one. And with a burst of downward energy, the two jet upwards to the skylight and out of the building. Baxter and the woman from the expo witness their escape as the woman says, Sir, should we go with the runner-up then? Shut up! Just shut up! Says the infuriated Baxter. Later on, after they've made it to safety, Donatello drops Harold off by his car, an old orange gremlin. He apologizes for the rough landing. Harold is more concerned about retribution from Stockman. He tells Donnie that he'll need to change his name, his address, and worst of all, Harold will have to change his online screen name. This is what happens when you trust people, Harold tells Donatello. Donnie comes back to him. You're not going to go back to being in agoraphobic hermit mode, are you? You need people in your life, Harold, and... Harold cuts him off. People? Meh. What do you know about people? Harold has a valid point. Donnie doesn't really know many besides his family. Donnie looks very sad, and Harold speeds away. Back into the sewer. Back into the sewers, Donatello tells his brothers and Splinter just where he's been and what happened. He tells them about Harold and Stockman wanting his blood in the entire expo. Master Splinter is none too pleased, of course. 
but he also does com comfort his son, thanking him for gathering the valuable information for them. Later on, Leo attempts to reach out to spend some time with Donatello again. Donnie, uh, I've been reading the manual for Strange Genesis, but I'm totally confused and I think I hate this game and myself as a result. Donnie goes to log into the online server for his game. Leo asks his brother if he heard him, and Donatello, with a very surprised look on his face, tells him, Uh, it's cool, Leo. We can run drills together tomorrow instead. I know that you dig that. The narration reads on, I'm a gadget geek, a tech nerd. I know machines. Fortunately, I'm not too bad with people either. He tells Leo he has someone to play with. We see a login screen for Strange Genesis with a screen name, Captain Obstruse would like Does Machines 84 to join his campaign. Looks like Harold understands after all. That's the end of micro-series number three, the Donatello issue. And now, here's Andy Doyle with your Mikey Moment of the Day. Cowabunga, dudes! It's time for your Mikey Moment of the Week! Now, you guys know that forgiveness is divine, but to error is human. But we're turtles, or... Something like that. Oh, I don't know, dudes. Pizza's burning. Gotta go. Catch you next week. Hey, hey, guys. What's up? Matt here from the YouTube channel, The Duo Finds, and resident turtle toy expert on the smash hit podcast, Geek Life HQ. I had to get some shameless plugs in there. But with those out of the way, we're going to use this time and this segment to talk about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys. Say that five times fast. Let's dig in. I like turtles. Today, we're going to be talking about the Wacky Wild West Turtles. It's a Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle subline that was released in 1992. The line consisted of the four main turtles dressed in 19th century outfits. Uh, that included Chief Leo, Sewer Scout Raph, Crazy Cowboy Don, and Bandito Bashin Mike. I guess that was PC back in the day, but definitely not PC in today's standards, just talking about Chief Leo and Bandito Bash and Mike. You know, those are pretty good examples of not being politically correct. All right, so let's talk about each one of the figures and their accessories. Let's start with Chief Leo. His accessories were the Bodacious Bone Arrow, the Sewer Spear, the Quasi Quiver, the Total, <laughs> the Totally Turtle Tomahawk, and Battle Blade. That's a lot of alliteration there. Sewer Scout Raph is next. His accessories are the Cowabunga Carvin Knife, Long Range Reptile Rifle, the Foot Trap, and a Buckskin Belt with Powder Sack. Next up is Crazy Cowboy Don. His accessories are the Half Shelled Holster, Sewer Six Shooter, the Reptile Rifle, and Lizard Lasso. Last but not least is Bandito Bash and Mike, my favorite figure of the subline. His accessories are the Cowabunga Cork Shotgun, the Jalapeno Knife, the Hero Holster and Reptile Revolver, the Sewer Serape, and Thorny the Cactus Pal, one of my favorites. I was able to find a commercial about the Wacky Wild West line, so uh, let's take a listen. Yeehaw, dudes! I just love the Old West when things are wild and woolly and turtles are really turtles. Crazy Cowboy Don is as rough and tough as they come. Sewer Scout Raph is scouting things out. Bandito Busted Mike always bashes the bad guys. And Chief Leo, leader of the Turtle Tribe, is a real man's turtle. Yeah, I just love the Wild West. Of course, I don't like it too wild. Oh, it takes a good rider to handle them rocking horses. 
this commercial really stands out from the rest of the commercials of the era uh, just because they use an actor in, in a suit like they do in the movies and he kind of narrates the the turtles even though he's one of them you know it's mikey narrating and he even says his own name wrong he calls himself bandito bustin mike and not bastion mike so that's just a little error i caught in that commercial i thought it was funny so i usually talk about the special features of like the toy you know like when i did with the technodrome and i did with the sewer set but you know these figures are, are just figures and they come with you know the different accessories that's what kind of sets them apart uh, from each other and makes you want to collect each one of the four because they have the different accessories and not just the same old weapons. I definitely didn't like these as a kid. I didn't like the fact that they uh, didn't have their normal weapons and you couldn't change their costumes. But you know what? I love them now. The details in the sculpt of each figure is amazing. The color, you know, in the paint. Uh, these figs were well planned and well thought out and I love the the variations in the accessories like I said before and the fact they're all different colors and they're bright colors so it makes you want to you know collect them present day market value and where to buy these you know this uh this section always kind of sounds the same but I always rattle off eBay you know that's your best bet to find them you know thrift stores you can find them here and there uh but you're not really going to get to select and, and, and get to choose what you find there because uh, it's a crapshoot. And garage sale, it's kind of the same thing, you know. Uh, you're not going to get to select. So I always say eBay or online as, as your best bet to find these guys because you can actually hunt for what uh, you're looking for. Cost, all right. Your lucky number is less than a dollar. I have found uh, one of these figures in this line at the thrift store for less than a dollar. No accessories, though. You're loose. Uh, normally are, are three to seven dollars each figure with no accessories loose complete you know they range from ten to twenty dollars a figure depending on which guy uh, you know Mike is popular Donatello is popular so those guys are always more money boxed men on card are gonna get you 40 to 80 bucks a pop with Michelangelo and Donatello being the popular figures just because they have cool colorful accessories that are uh, just awesome to look at yeah and these guys there's no real tips or tricks other than uh you know when you, when you're hunting in the wild you're not gonna be able to pick and pick and choose what you want so you know my only uh advice is just to buy what you see and if, if you're finding accessories buy them because you never know when you're gonna find that uh loose figure to go with that accessory and accessories are Harder and harder to come by these days. You know, I usually buy lots on eBay and I kind of sort them by color and I keep those the stashed for when I find those loose figs in the wild. I like turtles. All right, guys, I just want to say thanks for listening. And uh, if you have any questions about Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtle toys, shoot me an email at theduofinds at gmail.com. I will be happy to answer any of your questions. Turtle power and keep on playing. It's pizza time. And now in a segment we'd like to call pizza time, here's Mr. Andy Doyle with a real-life pizza recipe from the Ninja Turtles cookbook or a description of one of the pizzas that was either seen in the episode or in the comic. It's pizza time. What's happening, radical dudes? Party Guy Mikey here with your pizza recipe of the week. Now you guys know I love a pizza party as much as the next turtle, and that's the next turtle is me, in which case, well, it would be me then, and how would I love it more than myself? 
Anyway, I'm getting ahead of my shell here. So let's dive right into the pizza recipe. This week, we're going to look at having your own pizza party. You can make your own pizza party bar, bake a personal pan crust for each of your guests and stack them on a platter. Arrange bowls of different sauces, cheese, and toppings in a large table. Pizza sauce, pesto, cheese, mozzarella, sliced olives, bell peppers, pineapple, ham, cooked bacon, pepperoni, and even caramelized onions. Then let each guest top their own pizza and bake them in batches during the first activity. What a radical idea, man. I'll catch you next week, dudes. Calabunga! Thank you for listening to the Epic Tales from the Sewers podcast. The Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles were created by Kevin Eastman and Peter Laird. This podcast has no affiliation with Eastman or Laird, Mirage Studios, IDW, Archie Comics, or Nickelodeon Studios. This show is a fantastic podcast production in association with Amalgamania LLC. Be sure to check out the other shows on the like the Amalgacast, the Amalga Files, and the Epic Tales podcast. Epic Tales from the Sewers is recorded by Justin Cooper and features Andy Doyle. You're listening to the Fantastic Podcast, a show about fans and for the fans. Great fan experiences and stories to tell. Check us out. Everyone thinks because you're a zombie, you don't know good coffee. Well, they're wrong. We have very active lifestyles. It's not all wandering the countryside aimlessly or scaring passing motorists. And we all love a good cup of joe. And there's only one brew that gets my seal of approval. Deadly Grounds Coffee is my guilty pleasure. Bold. Robust. Delicious. It's coffee that can wake the dead. <laughs> With over a dozen different roasts and flavors, Deadly Grounds can satisfy the most finicky of coffee addicts. The aroma is so intoxicating. It brings all of my neighbors out of the woodwork. Deadly Grounds coffee. Coffee to die for and zombie approved. It's good to get a little deadly. Use the front door! Oh, they're so disgusting. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con is back at Mohegan Sun on July 30th to August 1st. Meet actors and superheroes. Shop for cool stuff. It's three days of Comic-Con fun. Terrificon, Connecticut's number one Comic-Con at Mohegan Sun, July 30th through August 1st. Learn more at Terrificon.com.